and welcome to a brand new episode of the League on Lowdown where we'll be discussing the final day and we'll also be discussing the playoffs which will be taking place on Saturday and Sunday and two days next week for the League One sides. I'm your host Matt Arles and as ever I'm joined by Alex. Alex how are you? Uh, hi Matt, Mark Frankie, yourself? I'm very very good thank you and last but not least we're joined by Josie Trollick. Joe how are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Just about recover off a dramatic final day of the season. Yeah, certainly was. You took the words right out of my mouth there. Let's uh, just briefly uh, talk about the final day. Luton went up as champions ahead of Barnsley. Doncaster uh, managed to keep hold of sixth place ahead of uh, Peterborough. But the relegation scrap, my goodness me, that was the most dramatic of the final day. Warsaw, Plymouth and Scunthorpe were the three sides to go down. Southend surviving in just the last few minutes. Let's go to you first, Alex. With, all the, with obviously the results happening, with Plymouth winning, um, I think Southend scored sort of with five, six minutes to go against Sunderland. Did you really think that Southend would score against Sunderland? And did you think that Plymouth were home and dry? What was your actual thoughts with the last sort of few minutes of the season left to go? I was thinking about between Sky Sports News and watching Southend versus Sunderland on um, TV. And then when I saw um, Sunderland get the penalty, which Chris McGuire tucked away, pretty well like he usually does I was thinking well it probably wasn't it was a bit of a soft penalty to give away I thought the referee didn't have to give it it wasn't like a, what you call a stone, stone ruler so I think you know, that is the decision to relegate Southend that they've been pretty unlucky they showed good fire under Kevin Bond and they started to show the last few games really what they were missing in the couple of months before that and then I, I was thinking well if that is that, if that does relegate they've been pretty, pretty unlucky but then they managed to pull I ran out of the hat as such and then score very late on and I was pretty pleased they did because I wouldn't want them to go down on the, like, what might have been as such but then you can also look at controversy in the Plymouth Stonecourt game as well they weren't the only ones to suffer from a controversial moment Josh Morris scored that goal which you may say is unsporting but I think you played to the whistle although although the keeper was clearly trying to throw it out I mean if he if, if he could he could have thrown it he could have properly like launched it he just like seemed to roll it out and then Morris just got onto it and booted in the goal I thought it was quite funny to be honest there was a few fans raging at it but ultimately that didn't really matter in that game all the season I suppose you'd probably rather it that way than that be the goal that i.e. sent Plymouth down or the goal that would have um, mm. cost um, Scunthorpe or something but it's it'll, it'll work out anyway without the controversy taken centre stage that's probably for the better yeah yeah you're absolutely right I mean you, you, you made some really good points obviously Scunthorpe Plymouth was was mild in controversy I want to go to you Joe I mean you know we'll, we'll talk about each sort of side in the season reviews but just briefly for Southend you talked about Kevin Bond you said a couple of weeks ago on a podcast that he's actually done a really really good job he's got he's got the job until the end of the season I mean how how much does this guy deserve the job on a, on a long-term basis? I mean, he, he's pretty much earned it, hasn't he? He's earned the right to, to build his own team, hasn't he, surely? Mm, yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen a few sort of South End fans say, um, actually, something different, right? You know, they've, they've sort of said, well, he's come in, he's done his job to keep us up, now let's look at bringing in somebody like Paul Hurst instead to actually do it for the long term. But I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't, I'm not sure I could go along with that. I think... I think you're right, he has earned the right. I think he's come in, and let's be honest, I don't think anyone was really expecting Southend to get out of it. I, I actually wasn't, because uh, under Chris Powell, they were heading one way, and that was down there. They, they couldn't buy a result um, at the time. 
and I think he's come in, he's really lifted the whole club, uh, the whole mood of the club. And you saw the scenes on the final day, you know, um, with the, all the uh, fans on the pitch, the players, you know, um, going mad at them, staying up. A few people said that was, you know, embarrassing to say, you know, fifth and bottom, we celebrate like that. But it just proves that the whole club is 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 united again, and it's, um, it's obviously celebrating remaining in League One. And uh, I think Kevin Bond, um, yeah, I, I think I also saw that he hasn't actually held um, any talks with the chairman yet, um, as of. I think a couple of days ago when I saw that tweet. Um, so, who knows? I mean, maybe he won't get the job, but I think uh, whatever happens, he's done a remarkable job to keep South End of the league. And yeah, I think he probably would feel a bit hard done by not to get the job permanently. Yeah, I, I, uh, I completely agree with uh, what you're saying. Obviously, the, the two sides that did go down. Well, the, uh, the uh, South End staying up was obviously Plymouth, who obviously beat Scunthorpe on the final day. Um, it is quite interesting for me to see that these two sides go down because, you know, they looked sort of start of March, that they were pretty much home and dry. And it just goes to show that completely a bad run of form towards the end of the season can completely destroy everything. Scunthorpe, lack of instability, isn't it? Three managers over the course of the season. Adams perhaps might have kept his job far too long. Maybe if Plymouth sacked him earlier, they could have um, stayed up. What, what do you think about those two sides? Because I think it's really strange to see them to see them head down when at one stage of the season they look so so home and dry in, in staying up. It's quite a weird sort of situation that that happened between those two sides, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think um, I saw a screenshot the other day actually of. Um uh, I think it was the table after 30 games, and uh, mid, uh, Scunthorpe and Plymouth were mid-table, and Oxford were in the bottom four, and it just completely switched around. And I think it, you know, said it many times. Yeah, this is exactly the wrong time to hit, you know, a sticky patch of form, and and Scunthorpe and Plymouth have, have done that. And uh, you know, I think you, you could argue with with, um, with Plymouth that they maybe left it a bit late to, to sack Derek Adams. Um, maybe if they'd done it. You know, four or five weeks earlier, they may have given themselves a chance because, of course, they did win the last game. So, you mm. know, the caretaker had one game in charge and he won it. Um, yeah, they're playing Scunthorpe on a particularly good side, but you know, they clearly um, it was clearly lifted. You know, they clearly lifted a bit um, by the, uh, the departure of Derek Adams and, and obviously the new caretaker coming in for the last game. So, if they'd done that for the Accrington game, they had this caretaker in charge. Maybe they would have got a better result out of that game. So. It's, it's, but so maybe it's Plymouth. I think Plymouth is a, it's a big waste because they've actually got quite a decent squad. Um, you know, you, uh, plenty of Oxford fans that I've seen um, have, have sort of said, "Look, well, the, you know, well, we can get this player, or this player, you know, Lamares and Carey and the, the Darpo, You know, who, I'm sure all League One clubs will be looking looking at to sign, and they've gone down. So it's a it's a big big waste for Plymouth. And Scunthorpe, of course, were, were in the playoffs last season. So mm-hmm. it's been sort of, and actually thinking about it, Plymouth were just outside the playoffs last season, weren't they? So mm. it's been just a, you know, twelve months or so of just real regression and, uh, and disappointment and frustration for those two sides. And I don't think you can really argue that, um, you know, that either of them don't deserve to go down. You know, the, the table doesn't lie after forty-six games, and um, they've got to go down and rebuild in the league too. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on. Um, Alex, is there anything you'd like to add from what Joe's been saying uh, about about those two sides? I, I think it's um, completely down to the board. It's gone for due to why they went down. They should never have sacked Graham Alexander when they did last season. They're fifth in the league. I think they're expecting too much too soon. And then they've had, what, four, three or four managers since then. And, then? and they just haven't really managed to 
worked since then. I'd, and then when they appointed Stuart McCall in August, they did it at quite a strange time. They didn't do it like before like the ball was kicked. They gave, um, what's his name? Nick um, Dawes. pre-season. And then they thought, actually, let's just get McCall in like, towards the end of August. And if you're going to swap manager, at least do it, give him the pre-season, let him bring his own players in, let him actually have a proper chance to make what he can of it, rather than just chopping and changing such a mm. random time in the season. So I... I I don't think it's so much um, the players that's gone off. I think it's the, the owners just trying to really pull something out of nothing and just wanting too much too soon by sacking Alexander when they did. That's why I think they've gone down. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, we'll move away from the final day as now we preview the playoffs. Forget about the All English final in the Champions League. Well played to Liverpool and Tottenham last night. But the big one, the big thing that's happening this week is this return of the playoffs. And oh my goodness me, does it not bring excitement? Last year, Rotherham managed to beat Shrewsbury in extra time. This year, the four sides involved in order from third to sixth it's Charlton, Portsmouth, Sunderland and Doncaster, who will be playing for that third and final place in the Championship next season. All of the sides have had previous experience of the Championship in the last few years. The first game on Saturday is Sunderland versus Portsmouth. Many people expected this to be the top two, but how the relentless form of Luton and Barnsley has seen them promoted, it's seen these two sides finish fourth and fifth. Um, Joe, how do you see this game going between... Um, Sunderland to Portsmouth the first games at the stadium are light 1-1 um, it was just a few weeks ago at um, the stadium are light how do you see it going? Well it's going to be obviously a big game big crowd um, it's, it's so difficult to predict I think both um, of these sides probably would have been hoping to finish in the top two I think Sunderland especially um, a fifth place finish is for me um, I wouldn't say a failure but it's certainly disappointing for them because I think with the money they've spent the players they've actually managed to retain from not just their prim, uh, the championship um, um, days their Premier League days you know they've still managed to score players like Oviedo and Casamold in their squad um, as well as you know players like Gidi and Wyke and Grigg who they've recruited um, they'd have been expected to be probably winning the league um, and their form has not been great I mean they had the opportunity I think a few weeks ago they had a couple of games at hand at Barnsley they could have snuck in if they'd won them to the top two and they sort of hit a really dodgy patch they lost in the last minute on the last day to Fleetwood um, Portsmouth um, are on much better form but they did of course have the disappointment of getting beaten by um, Peterborough which missed, it means they missed out on the top mm-hmm. two themselves um, so both sides are obviously going into this with a little bit of disappointment rather than any sort of momentum. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Um, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm honestly not sure. You know, it's, it's, it's very interesting. I'm, I'm eager to hear what you guys think because um, I'll, I'll probably say over the two legs, I'll probably say Portsmouth. But again, you know, it's it's so difficult to call. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Alex, what was an interesting point, I think, you look at this heading into this game, is Sunderland's form is, is pretty sketchy, isn't it? I think they've had three defeats at the last six final games. Southend, Fleetwood, and they obviously lost to Coventry um, back at the start of April as well. Portsmouth obviously come into this, as we know, their form is good. The only defeat they've had is Peterborough. Um, it is quite interesting to see, but these playoffs are so unpredictable. You, do, you just don't know, do you? How, how do you see it going? Do you see that... Portsmouth might be rubbing their hands at the fact that Sunderland's form is a bit um, cause for concern. Do you, do you think they look at it like that from their point of view? Um, no, I, I don't actually. I think they'll look at it. I think they'll be very respectful of Sunderland. Mm. Sunderland have lost the fewest amount of games in the division. They've only been beaten five times. 
and that hard to beat factor it probably suits them in the pelts right down to the ground but you think over two legs you want to at least be able you want to be able to they're, they're, they've got the home leg first so they'll be looking to get a positive result in that and then have something to defend down at Fratton Park and being hard to beat only losing five games all season I think that's going to suit them right down to the ground I can maybe see Sunderland just nicking the first leg and then Portsmouth having to come at them at Fratton Park and I think that might suit them quite well but I don't think Portsmouth are rubbing their hands together at all at the prospect of facing Sunderland regardless of what form they're in because they are the two biggest clubs in the league they'll know that the, the supporters demand a lot on them and it's not easy to go to the stadium like. so I don't think Portsmouth will be happy about the time but then again if you have got a good time to play Sunderland it probably is now if there is one at all because like, as you said they're losing three games which is um, they've only lost five since losing three in the last like couple of months or so is really like as I said the worst run by a mile of the season in terms of defeats but I'm, I'm really I'm really not sure I can't I couldn't call a winner um, from the two legs now I really couldn't it is, it is a tough one uh, to call. Probably a little bit more harder than the second semi-final, which is taking place on Sunday. Uh, Portsmouth Sunderland, incidentally, kicks off at 7.30 on Saturday night. Uh, the uh, second semi-final, Doncaster versus Charlton, is live from quarter past 12 um, with that game. Um, it's going to be interesting, Charlton versus Doncaster, isn't it? Because Charlton have almost completely gone under the radar to finish third. It's only now that they've finished third, for me, that people are starting to give them the credit that, that they deserve. And for me, everyone says Portsmouth were the favourites. I think since they finished third, the balance has completely changed and everybody seems to think now that, that Charlton are the team to beat and that Doncaster are this side that are almost going into it with nothing to play for. Um, Joe, you've, you've obviously seen a bit of Charlton obviously you've done a bit of work there this season you know heard from Lee Bowyer quite a bit been inside the Charlton camp what's the feeling there are they very confident that they can achieve getting getting back into the championship where they do belong probably or or do they kind of worry a little bit about the two sides or who they might play in the final no no well when I was there they were sort of quite optimistic they might get in the top two and uh, obviously Carl Robinson Oxford derailed that um, a week later um <laughs> But no, I think I think they're all very confident, and they've got a good squad as well. You know, they've got a small squad, but they've got everyone fit. Everybody's been playing well, um, and yeah, I've, I've actually been impressed by Charlton. I think uh, a few weeks ago, I think I said in the podcast when we were talking about player of the season, manager of the season, I said Lee Bowyer should be with the shout for manager of the season because the way that you know that we all know it's all well documented the troubles and uh, off the pitch um, that Charlton have been going through this season with the owner and trying to sell the club and uh, crazy interviews that he's putting out on talk sport and we all know all this stuff um, but the way that uh, Charlton on the pitch have gone about their business has been, it's been fantastic and uh, of course they didn't have uh, much money to throw around in the summer I think most of the players they brought in think all the players they brought in all on free transfers um and as you say, they finished third and uh, they have gone under the radar a bit, but I think that's probably the way they like it, Charlton. I think um, nobody putting pressure on them. I think there's a lot of pressure on Sutherland, there's a lot of pressure on Barnsley, Portsmouth, big clubs, which is coming down from this championship. Whereas Charlton have just sort of gone about their business in a, in, in a, in a way that has obviously warranted a third place finish. And um, they've obviously got one of the best uh, strikers in the division, in my opinion, in, uh, in Lyle Taylor. Um, but of course, you know, Doncaster um, have got some decent players themselves and I'm sure provide a stern test, but um, I'm sure if, you know, if I had to put um, everything I owned on, uh, on a win, I'd, I'd say Charlton at this point because they're coming in probably out of every team in the playoffs with the most momentum. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with you there on, on that regard. Alex, it's quite interesting. Joe pointed out their off-field problems. Everybody, you know, I mean, I, I know I'm sounding like I'm repeating it, but, you know, everybody knows about their problems. The owner, Roland Duchelet, is not the, the well-liked amongst the Charlton supporters. How well has Bowyer take? You know, how much credit does he deserve, Bowyer, and the players for the fact they've just not let that affect them? They've just gone about their business. They've just left left the, the business off the pitch to one side, and they've just let their football do the talking. For a, for a young side and a manager in, in just his first full campaign to do that, that's pretty impressive, isn't it? It is very impressive, and I think he deserves a lot of credit for the job he's done. It's, a, it's As you say, it's a very difficult job when you've got off-the-field problems. Usually, if you've got problems off the pitch, it results in problems on the pitch as well. You look at Blackpool, Coventry, they slip down the leagues due to off-the-pitch problems, but Charlton have actually gone against that general um, uh, pattern, and they've done brilliantly, to, especially the way they've ended the season as well. It's been Absolutely, it's been fantastic, a breath of fresh air, really. And I always personally saw Bowie as more of a coach than a manager. I never, I, like, I just couldn't really see him like being like that, having like, a tactical brain to outsmart the likes of Jacket and maybe um, Jack Ross as well. But he's shown that he's got another side to his, um, another side to his um, skills by be keeping Charlton so tight defensively, then using the goal from Taylor to find him up the league. And I think it's going to be a I think that they will progress over the two legs against Doncaster, but you 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 say that I say, I say that as if it's a formality. Doncaster have got players that can hurt Charlton as well. So they're front three of um, Herbie Kane, John Marquis, and um, Malik Wilkes. It's they they they, they, they can hurt any team in the league and probably teams in the um, division above as well. So it's not a formality that Charlton win, but I do think they will get through the two legs. Yeah. Do you think though that? This is for this is for the both of you. So feel free, one of you, to jump in. Do you think that Charlton's record against the top six is is one that's really obviously they've got a really good record? Do you think that that plays a part in the playoffs, or do you think because it's so unpredictable that essentially just goes out of the window how good they've been in the regular season? Mm, I think I, I think it goes out the window to a certain extent. I, I actually think what's really important is the, the the momentum that you go into the playoffs with, the results you go into it with. Um, and also, I've I've always sort of backed against the teams that when you go into the playoffs, you've just missed out on automatic promotion. I've always, you know, say a team that obviously I know Charlton finished third, but they've crept up to third. You know, for teams like Portsmouth and Sunderland, for most of the season, the ambition would have been um, top two. I always think they're they're going into the into the playoffs disappointed, whereas Charlton are going in excited, looking forward to it. Same with Doncaster. So this is going to be an interesting game between Charlton and Doncaster. Um, of course, you know, Charlton fans will be looking at their record against the top six and, and, and feeling a bit confident about that. Um, obviously, they ended uh, Luton's 28-game of beating run, so they know how to beat a good side. Um, and, yeah, I mean, of, of course, uh, that's going to play into a bit, but I don't think too much because uh, I think, as I say, what really made me feel confident as a Charlton fan heading into these uh, into these playoffs is the uh, is, is the form they're going into it with. Yeah, yeah. I, I, again, absolutely spot on. Obviously, we've talked a lot about Charlton. We got to talk about Doncaster. Really, they got into the playoffs on the last day, finishing sixth ahead of uh, Peterborough, which Grant McCann probably would have been. Uh, Loving uh, when he was going to bed on Saturday night, the fact he's got one over on his old team. Um, they're quite an interesting team, really, Doncaster, because I've seen them this season. They're very, you know, they're probably 
one of the best passing teams I've seen at this level for a long, long time. Um, they've got good players who can, um, you know, turn the screw in Malik Wilkes and, and John Marquis. But you look at them compared to Charlton, bit of a difference. The key battle could be the midfield, um, could be up front. Um, Alex, are you surprised to see Doncaster in the playoffs? Or are you someone who thinks, you know, they, they, they are not overachieving as such? On their day, Doncaster are a very good side, but the problem is their day doesn't come around as often as they probably like. The, the players they have got, they have got um, a very good set of players. Like you, you can't really um, underestimate that. But Marquise, I think, would be a player which any team in the league wouldn't say no to. He's he, he guaranteed goals. He's um, in, I think he's double figures for both goals and assists this season, which is quite, it's quite a tough thing to do, no matter what league you're in. So you, you know when he's when he's there, you're gonna pretty, you're pretty much guaranteed goals. And then Herbie Kane and Wilkes, even on loan, they're two pretty pretty good players as well. They're creative. They sort of um, mm. they um, benefit Marquis well. They um, he, they get the best out of him. And then, but the, the issue is with Doncaster. They have like that. You, you watch them play like when they um they beat like when they beat Bristol Rovers um. Walsall, like they smash those teams aside, mm. but then they also, when it comes to some of the small teams, they struggle as well. Right, like they're losing at Wimbledon, not many people have expected that. They're so inconsistent. But for the playoffs, I think it's pretty easy to get motivated for a game as big as this, and perhaps that could actually bode in Doncaster's favour. But I, I'm, mm. I'm not. I, I don't think they will go through. But perhaps it'd be easier to get um, better performances out of their better players in this sort of game than it would be against the uh, smaller teams where they've struggled a little bit against the time. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a very good point. I mean, you know, these four sides, these these set of players, if you're not motivated for these three, well, these two games and then potentially the final, then, you you, you know, you really shouldn't be a footballer. It's these games that, you know, you, you dream about playing as a as a lower league footballer. Obviously, you want to reach the highest level, yes, but the situation that both the, all these sides are in... Um, they they'll be certainly you know you'd think would be motivated. Let's 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 talk predictions now. Um, we briefly touched on it. Um, should we go through both the semi finals, both legs, or should we just do one and then talk about it next week? How do you want to do it, lads? Uh, let's just let's just do both legs. All right. Okay. We'll do that. Uh, so obviously Sunderland Portsmouth. Sunderland Portsmouth is first. As I said, it's live. Uh, on uh, Sky Sports, seven thirty Saturday night at the Stadium of Light first leg. Um, how do you see the first leg going, Alex? What's could you give, give me? Give me a score. Just a straight up score. Yeah. One 0 Sunderland. Joe. Um, I'm going to go with two one to Portsmouth. I'm going to go set on the fence. I'm going to be controversial and go with a one one. How do you see the second leg going at Fratton Park? I'll, go, I'll start with you, Joe. I'll go backwards this time, uh, Joe. Uh, I just see them seeing. I see that as a one-one. Uh, so it will be Sunderland to go through for you. No, Portsmouth, Portsmouth. Oh yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. Uh, Alex, what about you? You got Sunderland to win the first leg. I can see Portsmouth turning the deficit around and winning three-one that leg. I, I'm gonna go with the Portsmouth. I'm gonna go with a. A 2-1 win, so we have, obviously, Joe has Portsmouth. We all have Portsmouth, actually, to go through. Charlton Doncaster, first leg is at the Keepmoat Stadium. Um, score prediction, I'll go first on this. I'm going to go with a 1-0 a Charlton win. I don't think it'll be a pretty game, but I just think they'll get over the line in the first leg. Uh, Joe? Uh, I'm going to go with a 2-1 Charlton win. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think Doncaster are being a bit underrated, but I do still think that Charlton will probably win this game. So I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go three one in the first leg to Charlton. Wow, both from the start, Alex. Uh, I'm going to say two two. The second leg of the Valley. Who wants to go first? That are you? Uh, out of you two. Uh, okay, first I'll say I'll say it'd be a bit more conservative scoreline this time, but I'm still going with another win to Charlton. I'll say a one 0 Charlton win, so that they go through to Wembley against Portsmouth. Okay, all right, Alex. Uh, two 0 to Charlton. I'm going to go with a two one Charlton win. So we have predicted Charlton and Portsmouth to get to the final. So let's just hope that we are right. Uh, that is the end of the podcast for this week. My thanks once again to uh, Joe and Alex. Joe, thank you very much for being on, mate. Yeah, no problem, mate. No problem, boys. Enjoy. And also, big thank you as well to Alex. Thank you for coming on, mate. Uh, pleasure. So that brings an end to the podcast. As I said, we'll be next week starting the first of our season reviews. We'll be looking at the top half of the table, seeing who the big hitters and underachievers and overachievers were it's the first of a three part series that we'll look at and then we'll also in the next coming weeks look at the three relegated sides and the three promoted sides this has been another episode of the League One Lowdown subscribe to uh, our channels on Spotify and uh, like our Facebook and Instagram page and even give our Twitter page at L1 Lowdown a follow this has been the League One Lowdown thank you and goodbye